group you're strapped in and strapped on. Oh, I don't know if I want my sex organs to be engaged with that much right now because I kind of feel weird about them. Somewhat queer, but at this point mostly straight because I'm kind of a man now. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone. This is M with Sexistentialist, um, the podcast where we sit down and talk about sex, dating, and relationships and everything in between. And today, I am joined by probably my oldest friend, not in terms of your age in relation to my age, but in terms of like year years of life spent knowing one another, um, Andy. So hi, Andy. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Let's kind of start off by having you share with the audience a little bit about yourself and how you identify, whatever that means to you. Yeah. um, Well, I just think it's funny, you know, talking about how long we've known each other. We met in freshman year of high school Mm -hmm. and kind of became friends after that. And I just think, like, obviously that's a, a important time in a lot of people's lives, but especially in both of our lives. I think, yeah. Like, from then until now, just have, I feel like we've seen each other be a hundred million different people. Literally. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Who knew? I mean, I do think that there's part of me that, like, if you had told me when I first met you that you were going to be, you know, doing this podcast and really interested in sex ed and stuff, part of me would have been like, yeah, okay, that scans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be like, whoa, really? You know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. Um, yeah, I'm Andy. I am... Um, Oh, gosh. I don't know. I, I identify with lots of things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to hear them all. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of them, uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much time we have, but... <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't need to get into everything. But, um, I'm, uh, I'm a leftist. I'm a socialist. I um, am 25. Yeah. <laughs> and I am... Uh, somewhat queer but at this point mostly straight because i'm kind of a man now <laughs> binary trans man <laughs> kind of kind of straight again it's just been you you unintentionally banged a sexuality yui as as your as your gender has like been explored and you've like come into your own in that regard but really it's just been you know now you're just now you're just a straight white dude just kidding. I know, I know. It's so funny. I mean, going from, yeah, being sort of like this, like, teenage girl and, you know, being like, oh, I think it might be bi, and then, like, going into now where I'm just a white man for all those <laughs> It's like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah, but you are also are, like, queer as fuck, though, so, like, you know what I mean? It's not... You're not living life as a as a cis het dude. Um, yeah. now, it is really interesting, like engaging with the world in that way, and yeah, kind of knowing that you're really queer. But like, I don't look like I don't look particularly queer anymore. I have a pretty like, uh, you know, like normy <laughs> at the time. Like a clean uh, cu- clean cut, red blooded yeah. American. <laughs> yeah, I have a septum piercing, but like that's the only hidden secret. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I just look so sort of yeah, like normal. And it is kind of funny going through the world knowing that like oh, I am pretty queer. Like I promise, but 
you know, it's just not in my, like, expression anymore. It's kind of interesting how that's changed. Because that used to be very different for me. I used to look very queer. Yeah. No, and it's it's funny, too, that you you talk about, like, when we met and where we were in our lives. Because, like, um, I, like, I think in subtle ways we were both exploring identity well sometimes not in subtle ways um (laughs) like both i mean some of the other pals from that period of time that i've had on the show i think we've all kind of agreed like struggling with mental health and i think some of that does tie into um at least for some of the people i've talked to like ties into that struggle of identity and like what do I do to make myself feel comfortable like in my own skin and in the relationships I form and like, what does that look like for me? And so, um, you know, it's interesting and and also kind of a long process to get to, um, where we all are today, which obviously isn't a perfect picture of, um, you know, happy, perfect, healthy life but um it's a lot closer than we were a decade ago i think oh my god so (laughs) yeah no yeah which is great um so yeah i i think like before we get too much into um the nitty-gritty i always use that phrase and i'm self-conscious about it but into the nitty-gritty um i i want to hear kind of like a, a a funny goofy and maybe embarrassing or maybe just like a classic Andy kind of sex and dating anecdote. This is, this is, as you know, how I introduce most of my guests. Um, yeah. So if you've got one in mind, I love that. A classic Andy. I mean, I honestly, I think there are so many classic Andy. It's true. Such a fun little awkward person. Um, I can't confirm. The, <laughs> the one that um, comes most to mind happened um, right as I was beginning to understand that I wasn't a cis girl yeah. uh, or that I had, you know, become someone who wasn't a cis girl. Um, and I was, I'd been seeing this girl kind of off and on because I was in a long-term open relationship. And so I had been sort of casually seeing this other person, um, who like, you know, we, like I, we were friendly, like I enjoyed spending time with her, but it was a very much like just about the sex kind of situation. Sure. Um, but I hadn't seen her for a while. Um, I think this was like right around the beginning of the pandemic or maybe it was before I think it was before that actually but I think it, it was a little bit before yeah it wasn't that long ago but it, it was to the no it must have been a little while ago but sorry this isn't interesting but <laughs> I was really just kind of coming into my own with gender and stuff um yeah I think that you had started tea but maybe I'm yeah I had like just started I had either just started tea or I was just about to because I did yeah. just start tea um right before the pandemic, like, right okay. sort of lockdown. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was coming into my with gender. I knew that, like, my, the way that I was interacting with sex was changing, and I was sort of feeling different about things, but it was early on enough that I couldn't really figure out how that was going to, like, look, and I was sort of exploring things, which is nice to hook up with other people, like, new people, because then you can kind of see, like, there's a little bit less expectations with sex. Yeah. Um, if there's someone new, as opposed to, like, my long-term partner, who is great about it, obviously, but 
there's just more history there. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, okay, I like am kind of wanting to do this, you know, more masculine thing. But this girl that I was with, like, we had really only hooked up a couple of times, and we like for whatever reason, either like timing or whatever, we hadn't had like a long time, and so it would always it would mostly be um, sort of like me, uh, you know like for pleasuring her sort of situation <laughs> sure 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 think of a normal word to say there <laughs> no, that, in this realm that that's a normal word so <laughs> yeah. um and like not a lot of stuff had been done to me which is fine you know it's like it doesn't matter but i think she was someone who like she had sort of said this she was like i you know she hasn't been with a lot of girls like she really wanted to explore um, her sexuality in that way like get better at stuff and so she this one time when this like I think the final time that we hooked up um, like was adamant she was like I want to go down on you and she didn't really say that but it was just clearly yeah it was going yeah and at the same time I'm kind of like oh I don't know if like I want my like sex organs to be engaged with that much right now because I kind of feel weird about them yeah and, like for example, I was wearing a binder, and she was just like, can I take this off? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's probably fine, you know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she was very sweet about it. Like, she was nice, and I absolutely no, like, ill will. It was just, she was clearly so laser-focused, and so she was, like, just basically started going down on me. Clearly, like, baby's first time going down on a vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And you can really tell when it's baby's first time, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I I was kind of like, you know, I like this wasn't exactly what I anticipated, but she really wants to learn. And like, I remember, you know, my first time doing this stuff and it's stressful. And like, if I can help in that way, like that would be <laughs> fun. <laughs> And this is why this is why it's a classic Andy story, because it's also like like your mentality was not like oh hell yeah like someone's gonna go down on me for obvious reasons right because of like your own fucking exploration but you also like didn't want to tell her no yeah I, know. I was really like oh it's fine like I don't really mind too much like you know this is what I'm used to like it's not a big deal um it like maybe wasn't what I sought out for but like it's really fine and she's very nice like it's <laughs> fun to engage in sex with this person right even you know and like you know, I think that she enjoyed it. She was like, I was giving her tips. It was like, she was like, that was great. <laughs> so, so like, yeah, uh, it worked out. <laughs> but you never saw her again. Yeah, I saw her like kind of casually, like we got lunch or something and just sort of talked to because she was also dating this other person and I was kind of giving, <laughs> helping her with that relationship a little bit, actually, <laughs> because it wasn't going well. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing like bringing in the casual hookup for relationship advice that always goes really well. To happen to me. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... That's a tough spot to be put in. Like, hype, like on the outside looks like fun. You know, ooh, friends with benefits. But I feel like in the moment, probably like more gross than fun a lot of the time. Yeah, it really like, it depends. Especially when if you're like, I was in an open relationship and she was obviously in an open relationship. And so, but like different open relationships are different, right? And like they have different rules and there's different things that like people are more or less comfortable talking about or doing or whatever. And I think I felt like I was in a really good spot where I felt like I did have a really open line of communication and right. I think succeeding at like, you know, being respectful and no one was getting jealous and that kind of stuff. 
But some of the other people that I saw who are also in open relationships maybe didn't always have that. And <laughs> this was a good yeah. example of that. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, obviously my own experience with non-monogamy was a fucking nightmare. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've referenced that um, in other episodes, and so um, one of these days I'll I'll go into the maybe I'll have you on to talk about the do's and the don'ts, like <laughs> ways to have open communication, and like if your partner does this, run the fuck away because it's not yeah. it's not a healthy open oh situation. I have so many opinions on this. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that. Uh, this is a, a topic that I have wanting to broach, but obviously, like there's so many models of ethical non monogamy, and so it's yeah. like. What can't we talk about in regards to that? But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. But um, I love that story, um, and I wanna I wanna take the audience a little bit through like your own experience from maybe not all the way from like you know Andy and M meet day one twenty eleven, but you know like in the last few years. But I before we do that, I feel like it's probably important for us to give the audience a pretty clear understanding of some of the differences between gender identity, gender expression, like biological sex assigned at birth, like um, what all of that looks like. And also some of the terms that like are up to date, right? Like how we're talking about this now, I think like we're all constantly educating ourselves or at least striving to, to use the right phrases. So um, I think some of that is probably helpful and insightful for people as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, there's like, this is the thing about queer stuff is it's alphabet soup, right? There's yeah. so many different letters and labels on identities. And in some ways, that's obviously a really, really good thing. Like people are, there's more options where people can find something that really fits. Um, but sometimes I do think that we have this sort of label culture where everyone has to find out exactly where they fit. We can't just have like a sort of open dialogue with yourself about change, you know, your identities changing and things. So, yeah, so I do presentations, uh, for my school sometimes, and we've used a couple of different, like, um, little, um, uh, what was it called? Like a like an infographic almost, just like a little little helper. Uh, and there's one called the genderbred person, <laughs> and then there's an updated one called the gender unicorn, I think. Um, and they have like they they each have their pros and cons. I think it's useful. Um, it's a useful idea because they have everything separated into these four different sections, right? Okay. Um, so, like, if it's a gender-bred person, you're basically just looking at, like, you know, a gender-bred man, right? Like, it's just this little person. And the where the brain would be, it's labeled identity, like gender identity or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sexual identity. And then where the heart would be, it says attraction. Um, so who you're attracted to, both in terms of um, romance um, and, uh, you know, sexual orientation and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where the genitals would be, it says sex. So that's like, you know, the sheet that I'm actually looking at right now, it says biological sex. Right. Um, you know, like we try not to refer to that just because, but like, obviously there are things that are biological, there, there are biological sex characteristics but if you say I'm biologically a woman or biologically a man, that doesn't necessarily make sense uh, right. for a couple of different reasons. But I think mainly because, like, not everyone fits within that. There are lots of people who have sex characteristics that we assign to both men and women. Mm-hmm. 
um, and generally those people identify and are called intersex people. Um, but there's also, like, I think the, the phrase that people usually use in terms of sort of in, instead of, like, you were born a boy or you're biologically a boy or whatever is assigned gender at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're assigned male at birth or assigned female at birth, and that is one distinction that like, I do think is pretty important just because it takes away this idea that like, we're all inherently something and being right. trans is about like disregarding that and becoming something else. And it's more like, no, I mean, you're born, the doctor looks at your genitals and decides that you're this label that is going to like influence the rest of your life in terms of like what bathrooms you can go to and what sports teams you can be on and like what clothes you can wear and things like that. Right. And it's just, it's just this, this, you know, person looking at you and making a call kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I like sort of thinking about it in that way makes it a little bit easier. I, I feel like at least for me. Yeah. yeah. Think about trans stuff. Um, no, that makes so sense. Yeah. So that's the sex part. And then sort of surrounding the whole person is this idea of expression. Um, so if we go back to identity, which is in the brain, um, that is the idea of how you personally identify. And so it can be either gender identity, like you can identify with, to some degree of womanness, some degree of manness, um, some degree of non-gendered, um, some degree of non-binariness or uh, something else entirely, mm-hmm. you know, and this kind of all is on a spectrum and you can sort of, so one of the cool things about this activity is you can actually like mark on the sheet where along the line so the this one just has two lines um on one end of the lines is non-gendered and on the other end of the two lines one says womanness and one says manness so you can say i feel you know 60 percent womanness and 10 percent manness or whatever mm-hmm. um i think that like in the updated the gender unicorn one they also have one i think this might be true i don't actually have that one in front of me but they i think they might also have one for non-binaryness or Mm. something like that um which i think is a help you know a big help but there's also this kind of idea that non-binary encompasses everything that's not woman and man and um that can be true i think that's a good way to like talk about it as an umbrella term but the idea that there are three genders woman man and non-binary like that's not necessarily right (laughs) accurate you know for a lot of people's experiences so i think it's just i i think if you can just identify the different things that feel like you know how much of a woman how much of a man how much of a non-gendered person how much of a you know whatever else and then kind of brainstorm what other things could be like mm-hmm. i think that's kind of a fun little exercise um that i think cis people should do too it's it's like exciting to get to know your gender more intimately and I yeah think that should be reserved for trans people no i think that's i think that's a great point also because i do think like um Obviously, in my experience as a cis person, I, like, personally, not that I shy away from exploring my own gender, because I do think about it, right? Um, But I do think, like, I want to always make space for trans people or whatever label someone chooses to affiliate with their gender, if they have a label to, like, I want to make space for those people to explore as opposed to being another cis person who's, like... um, talking over queer people about gender um 
So I think I think that that's a, a good point. I don't know if you have any like recommendations for cis people um, as to like oh, yeah. how they how, <laughs> how they can think about their gender right in a way that doesn't that doesn't do that. If that's a yeah yeah, yeah totally. Um, and we can like talk through more as I go through the other things, which I promise I'll be speedier. But, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, no no no, you're good you're good. <laughs> I think that um, that working with your gender is both just really important on a personal level, just in terms of figuring out what you are and are comfortable with, what, you know, feels good to you. Like you may be exploring yourself in ways that you're not used to. Cause it is weird. I mean, it's, it's a total, like when, you know, when I first started transitioning, I was like, this is just totally new territory. I, you know, I was, um, I think 22 and I was like, you know, so that's not super old, but it's not super young either. And like right. the first time that I'm experiencing these feelings, like it is weird, but I, I think it is so much more fulfilling to, to, to be able to, you know, identify, like get to know yourself a little bit better. Um, and so there are different things you can do. Yeah. Like, like just sort of sitting down and saying like, what is my identity? Identity? Like, what are the gendered things that are really important to me? Almost as mm-hmm. like a, sort of journaling or like, you know, you know, in a conversation with a friend type of exercise kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just say like, you know, I, the, these parts of my identity feel, you know, like if you're a cis woman, like feel inherently feminine to me and I like that. And then there are maybe other parts of my identity that feel like a little bit more masculine or butch. And I also like that. And like, you know, that doesn't have to change your identity. Like, it's not about like discovering that you're trans. It's just like engaging uh, more. And you can also do that more with expression, um, obviously. I think that's a really fun one to play with. Um, So the expression part is the one that is overarching the whole person situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So... There's, again, a few lines, like one that is agendered expression and then through masculine and through feminine. Um, And so this is really like how the person dresses and like what kind of accessories they have and how someone who was, you know, standing on like a stranger who walked up to this person, what they might assign their gender to be. So it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with identity. It can be completely Mm. different. And sometimes it matches. I mean, sometimes, you know, like, for example, my identity is fairly masculine um, and my expression is very masculine. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But my identity is probably, it has this also a little bit of like non-binariness that I don't usually explore through my expression that much just because I feel like I've done that and I don't. I'm, I'm less interested in doing that now. It doesn't mean that I'm not non-binary. It just means that that's not really a big part of my expression right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people similarly might identify as, you know, a trans person or a queer person and not incorporate that as a part of their expression um, for safety reasons or right. just because it's uncomfortable and they're sort of getting used to things. And obviously expression is going to change depending on the, the people that you're around. Um, and the same yeah. thing happens with cis people, right? Like you wear professional clothes to a uh, uh, you know workplace, and you wear more like chill clothes when you're just hanging out or whatever. And that is kind of you know it, some of that has gendered aspects to it. And I think that's another fun way that if you're cis, you can still think about this stuff. Um, 
in terms of how do I express myself differently, you know, in what situations do I feel more or less comfortable dressing certain ways and how is any of that gendered? And, you know, is that interesting? Is that what I'd expect? Like, who knows, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a really, a really good point, especially, um, you know, I like to say I'm a member of corporate America by day, sex podcaster <laughs> by night. And a lot of it is like, um, you know, being, feminine at work and hiding my tattoos for example like that's something that i i think about on a daily basis i also think that's a very um relatable and like accessible way for cis people to consider that aspect of expression yeah yeah it's i mean it's fun this stuff is just fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i get you Um, And then the very last one is attraction. And so that, again, you know, you can sort of figure out who you're attracted to in terms of, um, you know, uh, gender expression, um, you know, how you perceive this person. So, like, romantically, sexually, people are different. Sometimes people are on the asexual spectrum where they don't feel super sexual. Some people feel hypersexual. There's all that kind of stuff. And that's, I think, a little bit more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that separating out identity and expression and knowing that none of that has to be tied to your assigned gender at birth is um, important and maybe not talked about enough. Yeah, no, I think, I think that is um, obviously important. And also of course, like part of why I wanted to have you come on and talk about this. Cause I think like um, it's easy for us, of course, like gender and sexuality are, well, they can be interwoven, but also like they exist in very separate ways. And also like gender on its own, as you said, like can, can manifest in different ways, depending on like what is going on in your life or where you are or who you're with. So, um, and I think people have a hard time, um, understanding that, or even that it, that they're doing that in their day to day without realizing it. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's super cool and super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking while you were talking too. um, another thing that obviously is a sort of hot button issue right now because we have to politicize trans people, but uh, like pronouns are a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I sort of consider pronouns an additional part of expression um, that that often have to do with your identity. But again, can change under like a myriad of circumstances. So like I remember when I was first coming out, you know, to myself and to my friends and stuff like that, I was using they, but only with like close friends kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, at that time, I was still using she. Now I'm sort of like professionally using he pronouns, mm-hmm. and and so like a lot of my classmates and things like that, I'm sort of. I have that as as my pronouns, but when it's my close friends, yeah. I use they a little bit more, or I like ask them to sometimes throw in they because I like they a lot. I think it fits me well, but it is kind of it's a little alienating, right? Like there are much fewer people who um, use they pronouns, and I don't like to separate myself out from the crowd that much. Mm. Uh, I like you know uh, one of the parts of like my trans identity is I do want to pass as a man. Um, Right. That, like, I am a trans man in a lot of ways. And I have this non-binariness that I think is important, but that feels a little bit more personal and not something that I sort of feel compelled to, like, share with the whole world sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And so if I use he, you know, professionally, then I have a little bit more of that sort of passing 
a situation where people just don't have to think about my trans identity. And for me, like right now that works. And at different parts in my life, I felt it to be much more important that everyone use they for me mm-hmm. um, and that I'm known as a non-binary person, but like gender is like funky and changes. And yeah. so I'm kind of doing this now. Um, but again, that expression can be different with different people and different times. And yeah, no, I think, I think that's a really important point. And I find too, like, um, well, so I, like, obviously you and I, um, are very close and so I use they, them pronouns for you, but also at the same time, you probably don't hear me use they, though, they, them pronouns for you very often because <laughs> I'm talking to you directly when you and I are interacting. Right. So it's like, I, do you find that like. I mean, it sounds like at least at this point in your life, like you are like more comfortable on a regular basis or hearing he, him more regularly, but like, do you ever crave hearing they, them pronouns because of that kind of situation? Like, how does that, how do you feel about hearing the pronouns? Is it like affirming for you or is it like you're kind of just cool and comfortable with it or however it happens? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think at the beginning of my transition, I really, well, I, I was weirded out by they, them. It felt like a big step. But Mm -hmm. I also, I think I knew it was a step that I, like, needed to take. And once I did, I felt a lot better. And I did really crave they, them for a while. Um, It felt important and it felt, like, just really nice to hear. Um, And I I think that still happens to me. I do like, like, I I like when people refer to me as they. I, I do think it depends on the situation. Like, if it's just you and me talking and you're, like you know, talking to someone else in the room and you're like, oh, Andy, they, blah, blah, blah. And I hear you yeah. say that. It's like, yeah, okay, I like that. That's great. Um, and I probably am not thinking about it a ton because it's more commonplace for me, but it is just sure. a nice little like, yeah, that's nice. Um, but if I'm in like a big group of people, especially mm-hmm. like some of my classmates who like some of them are, I'm friends with and so they'll use they for me and some of them I'm like don't know that well and maybe would want to like put up a little bit more of a professional wall and so if someone uses they for me which is right it's not like that's misgendering me like that's right. pronouns it's like I have this sort of moment sometimes not all the time of being a little bit like oh yeah especially if it's a new person right that right very well like this person now you know because I pass as, as a man and so if, if you didn't know uh you know, if you didn't hear someone use they pronouns for me, they you know they would probably just think of me as some straight white dude, right? Right. And so it's kind of like oh, like now there's something that's a little bit different about me. And so sometimes I like I, that's one of the reasons why I, I use he more in those mm-hmm. settings. But it is still weird to hear he sometimes. It, it's it's one of the pronouns that I, it's a little bit newer for me, and so I'm kind of like still getting adjusted to. But I do yeah. think that I like it, you know. Yeah, no, that's super interesting, um, I think, as well, because I I understand and appreciate your perspective kind of now with the, like, they, them pronouns being a feature of, like, close relationships, and also, like, now you're keeping your transness, like, closer to yourself, to, like, your personal identity, Um, and I think that's interesting because I do think on social media a lot of the time the representation that comes from the use of either like just they them pronouns or a combination of pronouns can be like like the takeaway from that is like my not that my pronouns don't matter but that i'm receptive to all pronouns whereas like um that's very different from your experience so i think that that's helpful um to hear like 
the, the personal nature that pronouns have for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it is different. I'm sure there are a lot of people who really don't care about uh, what pronouns, you know, you use or have a couple that they're really comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously totally, totally fine. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. they they definitely hold just a little bit more of a, like, like a meaning, you know, it's like a nickname, right? Like, I wouldn't ask, like, you know, a professional person to, like, I don't know. I don't really have any nicknames, but but to like call me like some childhood nickname, you know what I mean? It sort of feels like that. No, that, that makes sense. And, um, like, again, an important reminder that like the use of pronouns is in the same way that expression is like fluid and well, I would say like fluid within an individual, but obviously like, um, I would recommend people don't go like haywire with like throwing pronouns around because it's like not the takeaway here. But like um, just that the way that pronouns are used and like the significance that they hold to each individual person like is like subjective and changes per individual. And so like as we continue to like talk about pronouns, because apparently we can't stop talking about pronouns, um, like that's that's important to keep in mind, right? Like, as you learn about the use of pronouns, I think. Like, it, they don't exist in one capacity, and you just have yeah. to master using them in this one way. They exist in several capacities, and it's different per person. Right, yeah. One of those just fun little things that, like, feels really complicated for a second, and then you get into it, and you're like, oh, okay, this is just, like, interacting with a person. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Well, I, I think that's like genuinely really helpful. Um, and I think like, um, you kind of gotten into some of this already, um, just in the nature of the conversation, but, um, I think people will probably be curious to know how your like gender exploration, um, in terms of identity and expression, um, and kind of everything else that you've experienced kind of came to fruition. And when you started thinking about it and and how you went about exploring that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it is interesting. It's a fun little, (laughs) I guess. Um, I, yeah, so I grew up feeling pretty comfortable with my gender, like did not think about it very much. I was mostly focused on my sexuality. I, you know, Mm -hmm. was in middle school and realized that I was attracted to girls. And so I was kind of like, you know, freaked out by that. And that certainly took me a couple of years to figure out. Um, and at the time I felt very, um, for a while I felt very much a lesbian. Um, and there was, uh, one of, I forget if it was like maybe sophomore or junior year of high school. Like I really sort of got into the butch, like aesthetic kind of thing, mm-hmm. not, not in a, a super over the top way. Um, like if you're used to lesbian, uh, cultural terms, like I was much more of a chapstick, right. than I mm-hmm. was like an actual butch. Um, but I was just sort of wearing like, you know, things that you get from the Target men section sort of thing. Um, I remember very clearly some of those V-necks. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. Um, but then I remember um, when it was our senior year and we were getting ready for prom, that being a moment where I was, like, starting to feel a lot more feminine and, like, getting really excited about my prom dress and, like, the accessories and... um like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. 
and you were really rocking like literally every aesthetic in high school though i just want to clarify <laughs> like what could andy wear that didn't look good is the thing <laughs> well i don't know about all that but yeah it was it was it was kind of fun like i did i really started to get more into the like feminine stuff and like in yeah. makeup and shit like that um and so i did i you know i went to prom i wore a dress i felt great about that and then i met this boy um, and Ugh. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, so I'm not kidding, but yeah, <laughs> uh. no, no, totally. Just absolutely awful. Um, to meet a boy under any circumstances. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I met this boy and was like, Oh, I'm just absolutely head over heels in the course of like this one, like church lock in situation, which is absolutely hilarious. I was um, thinking about this literally the other day, because I remember <laughs> you going through this phase where you were obsessed with the Arctic monkeys. Oh, Yes, I was just about to say And that. you were, okay, yeah, so sorry to, to steal your thunder there, but, like, I do, like, the Arctic Monkeys is one of my favorite bands, and yeah. um, they didn't become that until a bit after you had this face, so I didn't, I wasn't as familiar with them at the time, but I remember you, like, plopping in your headphones and just, like, listening to Are You Mine or whatever oh other God. goddamn song and thinking about this dude who, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. No, I went to, like, visit a college, uh, the, the college that I ended up going to with my dad. And, it, you know, it was a little road trip. And so on the way back, I was just, like, soulfully, like, looking out the window, like, blasting the whole AM album on repeat. Like, I mean, it's a great album. Dumb boy. I mean, it's an excellent album for sure. Like, I'll stand by it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I just, I like this boy. And so I think part you know with the prom and the liking this boy like i start and you know realizing okay i guess i'm not a lesbian <laughs> right like like i started to sort of get a little bit more um you know feminine in my gender identity and i kept that up for a little while um but it felt comfortable for me like i was fine with it it was it all felt nice um when I got to college, me and this boy had a terrible breakup, of course, and so I was, like, heartbroken and went through what I, like, lovingly call my slut phase, um, where <laughs> I really just dressed, like, I was, like, hot, I dressed super skimpy, and I just, like, these random men would pick me up, you know, like, from Tinder, and I would mm-hmm. go and just, like, hook up with them, and it was, like, super dangerous, right? Like, I was in a big city doing this, like, and maybe not the ideal, so like sneaking out of my parents' house, like maybe not the ideal situation. But I mean, it like I don't know. I, I'm not gonna say it was all fine because obviously, if you're in a situation like that, like there, I mean, not obviously, but you know, there's there's many things that can go wrong, and some yeah. of them did. But I was never in like any danger or anything, like in terms of like violence. Um, like that was fine. yeah. You weren't you weren't kidnapped by someone on Tinder. No, no, thank no, God. But yeah, I would just had to deal with men being super shitty about yeah, sometimes, which is. Um, you know, unfortunately, yeah. a common experience. Right, right. Um, but then I kind of settled down a little bit after that. I think because of some of those experiences, I like kind of stopped my, which again was a great little phase of my life, but it did have a sort of, you know, sad ending. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, I have to stop doing this. Um, and I just kind of chilled out. And then I get, I did get a little bit more sort of chapstick where I wasn't <laughs> super feminine, but I also wasn't in any way like, you know, butch or masculine really. I was just kind of like a casual little lady. Right. Uh, and I really kept that up until I, I actually got married <laughs> um, and you were there. I was, um, I had a great time. <laughs> Yeah, you did excellently. Um, Thank you. (laughs) 
set everything up and everything. Um, I'm still very thankful for all of y'all for doing that because it was great. Of course. Um, but I wore a wedding dress and so I got really excited about my, you know, my dress and my makeup and like I wore a veil for a second, like really just kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, very feminine things. And I think it was, I had shaved my head a couple of times before that. Like, it was just Mm -hmm. sort of a fun, like, clear, punky look that I was into. Um, And as we were getting into all this wedding stuff and it was getting closer to the wedding and things were just feeling more and more sort of, like, feminine, I didn't... I wasn't thinking about it in that terms, but I I think that I did notice um, that, yeah, things felt a little off. And so after the wedding, I was like, yes, I'm going to shave my head. Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to be great. And so I did that, um, and it's, I remember, like, I have this very, like, distinct memory of looking at myself in the mirror with my shaved head and being like, okay, I feel different than the last times I shaved my head. Like, Mm. this feels noticeably different to me. There's something going on. I really like this, and I maybe don't even want to have long hair, like, ever again. Like, in the times before, I'd shave my head and then let it grow out, usually, and Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I don't, I think I just love this. Um, Yeah. But it felt weird, and so That's, I, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's so interesting, and, like, this is, like, tell me if I'm reading too much into it, like, 100%, but in my in my head, like, being a woman-identifying person, I do think that, like, having a big white dress wedding is sort of, like, the media-encouraged pinnacle of womanhood. Oh, yeah. And femininity, right? And so it's, like, you did do that. Um, and so I don't know, like, did you at all feel like, okay, well, I did, I did the prom dress and then I did the big femme wedding and now I'm, now I can like disregard any desire to be like a cis woman. I don't know. This is again, (laughs) but like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's such a stark contrast. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's one of the things that I would, I mean, not exactly that, but something my mom said when I was talking to her about some of my gender stuff is she's like, you know, I just remember, like, seeing, like, my daughter very happy, you know, in her wedding dress on her wedding day, and it's just weird that because some of, I, you know, that some of this gendered stuff really just picked up in the next couple months after my wedding, and mm-hmm. so I was telling her about this, like, really only in, you know, maybe six or eight months after my wedding, she was like, that was not that long ago. And like, now you're saying that, you know, you feel so differently. Um, and it is kind of funny. Like, I do feel like I really got into the, the, yeah, the prom and the wedding. And I think it is like funny that those are the things that like, they do, they felt very gendered. Yeah. Um, but, and, and it, it's kind of hard to know if that was a sort of compulsory femininity situation. Yeah. Or if it was just something that's like, sort of fits like I like to plan for things I like to (laughs) organize stuff yeah you know I like Pinterest like this stuff sort of falls into some of those so maybe that's what I like but I mean at the time like I remember it getting closer to the the wedding and feeling a little bit like this is all pretty feminine stuff but yeah generally I it didn't nothing about that felt really wrong um yeah really until after the wedding and then I started to yeah, no, that's just a really interesting, like, contrast. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to, like, point that out because I think it's so interesting. Um, but continue. Yeah, well, so I um, I had just moved. I mean, I had just, well, I guess when we got married, we really hadn't lived here that long. Um, 
and I was meeting more queer people um, here than I had um, you know, in Texas, uh, where I was before. Mm-hmm. And um, the people were not only queer, but trans, right? Like, I was meeting a lot more trans people, and the I was fairly used to trans people in a more binary way, because, like, the woman that I married was a trans woman. Right. <laughs> but, like, I was, I was used to, to, like, binary trans people, but, um, or at least to her, you know, like, obviously, everyone's different, but, like, she has a pretty classic experience, I think, in terms of, like, this sort of, again, the sort of, like, standard, like, almost normie <laughs> person. <laughs> obviously, like, not normie, like, you know, obviously a crazy, complex experience, but right. funny. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't known a lot of non-binary people. Um, and so when, you know, when my wife, uh, who we're not married anymore, but we're still in great terms, it's a hilarious story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when... Uh, we, or when I was hearing about her experience, I, I didn't, it didn't really spark a lot for me because it just, I, you know, she's like, oh yeah, I feel really feminine. It's like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. You know? Uh, and then when I was talking to more non-binary people and they were starting to tell me a little bit more about their experiences with feeling like, yeah, I feel feminine sometimes, but I feel masculine sometimes. And I don't feel like these labels really like are a good fit. For me, I think there are other things going on, um, and I just would hear about them sort of react to little casual things, or like, I made a friend who used they and pronouns, the first mm-hmm. person who knew, um, who did, and it just, I was just like, wow, that's really interesting. And I did this sort of like, uh, thing that I think a lot of people do, where it's like, oh, I'm just really into this. Like, I love, I support them, like, I think it's like, interesting, but, like, that's not me. Like, I'm cis, you know? Right. Um, and obviously, like, that didn't last that long. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of started this journey of talking to them more and, you know, noticing how when I put different clothes on, that made me feel, um, which is another great activity for cis people to do, like, and not even trying to see if it sparks anything in you, but just, like, trying to wear, like, clothes of a different gender identity or what maybe you would associate with a different gender identity mm-hmm. and kind of see how that feels, like, for a second. I think that can be really interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I just kind of started to get into stuff, and I was like, yeah, no, definitely, definitely trans. <laughs> <laughs> definitely something going on there. Yeah. Uh, and so I started to do they, and I was just kind of, like, very classic non-binary, you know, got my septum appears, like, very classic, like, non-binary situation. And then it just kind of kept feeling like it wasn't quite enough. Like, I kind of wanted to push further. Um, and so I started wearing a binder a lot, and then I started really seriously taking considering taking testosterone Mm -hmm. Um, and then I did in February of 2020 yeah right before the pandemic um and now I am pretty much just this sort of like yeah straight white dude (laughs) kind of weird like feminine past and like a sort of inner like non-binary thing going on that I'm open about that I tell my friends about but like yeah um, doesn't affect my, like, you know, like, day-to-day and professional life a whole lot. It's just an absolutely funny, like, how different I am now to even just a couple years ago. 
I guess the fact that like you aren't actively thinking about your like non-binary identity in your day-to-day like it, it's just like who you are and you live your life as a normal human being and I think like people need to fucking remember that because yeah. when cis people struggle to process the fact that there are people who aren't cis um it I think that it's like it's I think that's something that they really struggle with at least in conversations I've had with cis people particularly older cis people who are like you know who come to me as a younger cis woman who obviously like cares about understanding this and like also is just like cool with it like yeah how does this work and also why and it's like well you know you think about things in your day-to-day like i'm unhappy with my job and then you seek out a job that makes you happy and like to an extent like that's a really boiled down way of processing it right but it's like to an extent like trans people aren't comfortable with like the gender they were assigned at birth or the way that they dress or like the bathrooms that they use or, or whatever it is that potentially sparks that like dysphoria, if you want to call it that. And then, you know, they transition, if you want to use that word again, which I know not everyone does right into whatever that, that looks like for them. And then they live their life like a normal person as they are you know what I mean it's like and then just in the way that like you start a new job that you like and you're just happy with it and then you wake up every day and go to your job and you don't have to think about it like Mm -hmm. it is comparable to that it's not like people are waking up every day going okay well another day being a gender or like okay like another day being lesbian like it's it's just life um it is really like not uh it's not whatever like kind of weird conspiracy that you are like thinking it is um yeah no totally i mean i think that's a great metaphor it really is like like obviously being trans is an important part of my identity um right but i think way more than that is just being a like like not the trans part but just being a non-binary man you know right like my my you know (laughs) (laughs) ex-wife says this a lot where she's like yeah i mean the most important part of my identity is that I'm a woman. Like right. the fact that I'm a trans woman is cool. And that's part of it. Like for sure. But like the important thing to take away here is the woman part. Right. You know like I mean? she's a woman and that's it. Like it's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's some um, terminology. Like if you like there, I mean this, it feels a little pedantic, but it kind of goes to this point, this idea of like trans woman as a, uh, one word as opposed to trans and woman being two words that can be mm. used together sometimes, right? Because if you say trans woman, one word, it's kind of like you're not a woman, you're a trans woman, and that's different and right. and like, you know, deserves to be treated differently, which is obviously not something that we're like, you know, that most people would be comfortable with. I yeah, think. we're not trying to perpetuate that perception. Right. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, like I'm a trans man and I'm a socialist man and I'm a student and right you know, whatever. I have all these other identities that come up for me, like, way more. (laughs) Yeah. At least right now. And for different people, that's different. And if you're, you know, when I was earlier in my transition, that was obviously different. It was something I was thinking about a lot more. But now that I'm kind of, like, more settled in to this, um, it's truly just not something that I think about a lot or put a lot of energy into because I sort of already have. And I feel like I'm in a really good spot now. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, I think think that's... um, 
it's important to understand that. I, I have um, more conversations that I would like with older, um, you know, Gen X and millennials about that. And people who are like, um, you know, don't have ill intent. Right. But when they, when they do, when, when it is people who are like harping on it, cause they just can't fathom it. Like the main thing that I communicate to them and like, feel free to tell me if there's anything you think that would be better. But I literally say like, what do you gain from questioning someone else's day to day? Yeah. Like literally what do you gain from it? Because, um, you know, people are going to live their lives however they want. And you seem to not question it when it's like a cishet person, mm-hmm. but like a cishet person can be like mean to kids or, mean to animals or like a literal psychopath and you still don't question it because like there's his hat right like the there's stuff that you just like let slide because their identity is something you can relate to but um you know like trans people or gender queer people or agender people or non-binary people or gay people or whatever it is like are like good people they just live differently than you and suddenly like that's offensive like where what's i don't under like what (laughs) how yeah No, totally. I mean, this stuff is obviously, it's really heavily politicized, and it is sort of, like, I think there is a sort of backlash of people who, yeah, who do take, um, because obviously a lot of this stuff is important, and it's really important to to be respectful about the way that you interact with people, and I do think that the internet has gotten to a point where, like, sometimes there are people who do kind of expect a lot from people who really are, are, don't know, and don't have the sort of cultural understanding, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that to some degree, like, that's a good thing, and you should expect a lot from other people, like, you should expect basic respect, and we yeah. should expect a society that, like, teaches people about this stuff, but if someone doesn't know anything, and all they're sort of hearing is hate from this yeah. group, and then the, you know, television is telling them that they're trying to, you know, like, steal their kids' soccer trophies and stuff, <laughs> like, like, women on, you know, men's teams or whatever it is, like... You know, like that—that that can be a sort of scary, weird thing. I just think yeah. there needs to be a little bit more room um, for for yeah, like understanding that that people come uh, from different different places. Yeah, definitely. No, that's that is um, that's a good point, and I think it's um, you know also important, and I think good generally. Of course, like I'm probably in a little bit of a queer friendly echo chamber, but. Um, just that like we're continuing to have like normal conversations with trans people about like their normal human day to day as opposed to um like well in in like a indirect like combat against some of the more like hate driven information not that the people who always need to hear that stuff um do but um yeah well no i mean there's a lot of like trauma porn with yeah right and like really these like crazy queer identities like i remember this being a thing when i was a little bit more in like lesbian culture you know in terms of like online and tumblr and stuff like that like trying to find a movie that talked about lesbians that wasn't either like just you know like fucking jennifer's body or yeah was like some really like super artsy like you know, beautiful, but sometimes, like, devastatingly sad, like, experience people. It's, like, just give me, like, a fun rom-com that's, like, actually about, like, you know, the lesbian existence. And that, I think it's the same thing for a lot of queer people. Yeah. Uh, 
a gay men have had a little bit more recently, which is great. Um, but there, there's that. I mean, still not enough, and there needs to be a lot more, um, especially for trans people, because it is. Yeah, it's hard for people to get. If we could just have like more casual experiences, that would be. That'd be great. And also, like, if we stop casting straight actors to play trans characters, that would be super cool. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you and I have both probably you more extensively have read about, like, the harm that it does to cast cis men as trans women. But, um, yeah, super also, problematic. The other thing I was thinking of as this conversation was going on, and this is, like, just a super short point, but yeah. this is something that I feel like happens a lot, even in very, like, queer-friendly spaces or, like, in some of the lefty spaces that I've been in, where people will say either things that are, like, you know, this is a group for women and non-binary people, um, or will say things that are, like, um, like, cis men suck cis men are the worst kind of thing and in both of these situations it's like yeah okay that sounds totally reasonable on the surface but there's these sort of assumptions underneath that i think yeah interesting like with for example women and non-binary people you're kind of assuming that this like the idea in those groups is that it's like not a super masculine dominated group that there's right more space for like you know, like feminist ideas and like like a sort of more feminine driven um, atmosphere, but like that's not inherent in non-binary people, right? Like right. I identify as non-binary as an important part of my identity, and I would never go to those groups because like it's not for me, and I think they would think it right if I did. But labeling it as such can be it just it's, it's a, it just sort of like what do you think non-binary means? You know, right. <laughs> No, yeah. The cis men. It's like, trans men can suck too. Like, yeah. don't, don't keep us out just because we're <laughs> a little queer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Men be assholes. <laughs> All people can be dicks. Um, yeah, it's just like, you know, yeah. It's, the, the intent is, like, wholesome, but it also does seem like a weird, like, queer exclusionary like yeah. theme. No, I mean like I there's I know a lot of trans men, it like sometimes myself included who will do things that are like like not only are like a little bit like rude and dickish but like in a very masculine way. You know right. I mean? Like and if you're trying to say like that type of energy is not welcome here, I think that's obviously totally like respectable and you should do it, but like in, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, and like, I agree in part because and I say this a lot, both on podcast and in life, but like anyone can internalize misogyny, right? Anyone can internalize homophobia. We can all in some part be contributing to rape culture. Like there's, there is like no, we are all part of the, the broken system and like we're all suffering from the lack of education about um i mean in this context like sexuality and gender but also just like lack of education about literally fucking everything um and so like we're all capable of internalizing the shit that leads to toxicity and so you cannot limit that to like cishet men because um like yes they are oftentimes the epitome of some of those things due to like the position that society puts them in but also like yeah literally anyone like i know i mean we talk about this in media all the time but like women can be just as fucking like 
misogynistic or absorb as much toxic masculinity, um, even if they're hyper feminine in expression, right? Like this is, it's not limited to cishet dudes, but um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's funny, but it's also like problematic. Um, (laughs) Like just say anti-misogyny club. Yeah, yeah. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Like like femme-driven space or a space where we're not letting mass, you know, like masculinity be the primary focus. Or obviously, like some of that stuff is hard to describe because then you get into really long titles and it's (laughs) nice to have just a cute little like... Short title. Yeah. Sometimes that's healthy. Yeah, no, for sure. And and that is like, you know, one of the downfalls of living in alphabet soup land um, yeah. is that we're we're thinking about labels all the time. And um, sometimes it would be easier if we lived life conceptually versus with labels, I think. But um, yeah, but we live with labels and that's that's the society we exist in. Yeah. Um, well, Andy, this has been really fucking great. Um, do you have any kind of like final thoughts that you didn't get to that you want to share with with the audience Um, I feel like I'll probably have to invite you on for approximately five more episodes because I feel like we (laughs) scraped the surface and there's so much more to talk about but I think this is hopefully a really helpful at the very least introduction to people who like really just don't even know where to start understanding um gender (laughs) i get i get very talkative because yeah like i said i love to talk about this stuff so sometimes i i just sort of ramble but hopefully there's some amount of good you know positive uh learning that can happen from it no i think this was great um and i love obviously talking to you so i'm having a great time um but yeah thank you again um and i'm sure that we will have you back um super soon if you're down i'm down yeah i'm so down this is a lot of fun thank you so much for having me yeah um folks thanks for tuning in to sex existentialist and uh as i've said you know we'll be back with another not that hot of a take super soon (laughs) 